Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. more it's hot and sadly now we have fires over here crazy but uh i uh, i have today uh my good friend uh Bridget. she is amazing just wait uh until she starts sharing some of the amazing work that she does but before we kind of get rolling Bridget, if you want to just take a look to see if you have on your phone now the alert for the uh linkedin live and then you can just uh Sure. Yeah, you should see it now. You can just take that and share it with uh, with your network. I'm going to click on your profile, Oscar, and see if I see it because it's not coming up in my notifications yet. I do see Oscar shared this live and there I am. And now I'm going to hit share and say I am live with my friend and see if it'll let me tag you because you know how LinkedIn yeah. sometimes likes to cooperate. And there you are. And we are going to talk about yeah. how to go with the mindset and practice of service before sales, which is so important. Very much. Now, folks, let me let me tell people. So Bridget and I met through LinkedIn. We connected through LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we her and I are very active uh, on LinkedIn, on social media, and I, I don't remember, maybe she shared something, I shared something, whatever. Bottom line is, is that we ended up connecting uh, via LinkedIn, and then uh, <clears throat> we set up a call, and we were just talking, and um, she, what I found out is, is that Jed is an international speaker, coach, and leadership trainer, but more than that is, is that she is a true badass, or as we say in Mexico, Chingona, okay. Um, she, uh, one of the things that that I loved about her from the very get go is, she's just very, um, she's direct, but but with kindness, with love, and the way she approaches growing her business and coaching others uh, to do the same is really from that servant uh, type attitude. Hence, why today we're going to be talking about how to serve before selling. So, Bridget, thank you very much uh, thank for you. being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Oscar. And I thank you for honoring and naming that I am an, an actual real chingona. For those of you that are not bilingual, um, one of the things that enamored me with Oscar and his online persona is that he was so authentic and real. And it's not a persona. It's who he is as a person. And... I appreciated that about him right away, the fact that he was just so warm and open and shared his story about what it was to be a Mexican-American, to be raised by Mexican immigrant parents, to to care deeply about the work that he does in the world and to be out in front of other people as an introvert, really showing and modeling what it's like to move through our fears about being visible 
when it's in service to something bigger. So that was really resonant with me. And I remember thinking, I like this guy. I want to be friends with him. And I reached out and we had coffee in Berkeley and had a very long lunch and had so many things in common, including this um, belief that when you really place being in service to others, solving problems, helping people just for the pure act of giving them some support, that yes, actually the outcome is your business will grow and you'll have more opportunities, right? Yes, yes, it's true. And you know, yeah, normally I, I ask people, you know, to share about their background first, et cetera, and so forth. And I, I do want you to share um, uh, that, but but let's continue right now. Like for you, where does this, I call it servant leadership and there's many different names, but where, where, does, where does this value of, of helping or giving others, where does it come from for you? Yeah, I mean, that question makes me take a deep breath and go, wow, you know, there's so many layers of my life journey where I've been informed through the lens of giving and being in service. And like you, you know, I have a Latina mom, she passed recently, and yeah. my mom was a big influence in my life. And she was always volunteering at church, at bingo, at my school. My father was always at my ball games. My father had a boat and was always helping other people with their boats when they had engine problems. And he was a musician and he was always helping other people get gigs. And so I just, I was raised in a family where we had this kind of do by others first mentality. And then you're also going to have people help you the more you help others. Yeah. And I think I kind of was brought up with this idea of service and I was in the nonprofit sector when I was younger and I always knew that my life was about giving but not in the sort of martyred way that is often how it gets communicated through certain types of institutions and structures in our society where it's this yeah. idea of like overgiving and not being open to receive so I feel like it's really important to touch on that especially as people of color who Culturally and historically, we are oriented towards giving and serving and doing for others to a fault. And so with such a strong work ethic, I have that and I have the benefit of having lived this sort of um, more privileged life experience where I've had a lot of influence of mentors that have really made me realize that we can be in service to others while also being available and open to receiving support and receiving compensation and being valued for the work that we do in service. So I feel like it's really important to set the tone around that because I don't want to yeah. give the impression that I'm suggesting that we should all just be always in give mode yeah. and giving away all of our expertise and value, right. which is important to build trust but it's also important to understand that we are valuable and our time is valuable. And when it's appropriate, there are opportunities for us to leverage and monetize our service and our expertise. And that's why I'm a business coach, because yes. I care deeply about making sure people yes. Yes. are compensated for yes. their value. And, and you know what? You touched upon right now what you said. It's, I, it, you said it so eloquently in that there's a cultural aspect right to that. We're always helping, like, I, I, I sometimes say to people, you know, who came up with the phrase, mi casa es tu casa, if it isn't, you know, Latino, right? We're very giving, we open our house. I mean, last year, a year ago, this time, Angelica and I uh, were in Panama. I, I did a talk and there was a gentleman in the audience I've never met. He, that night, 
we were at his house breaking bread, having some tequila, having a great time, complete stranger. But it's that giving spirit. But to your point, too, we also need to have that balance of when, you know, it's we need to charge for our services or maybe in some cases even set some boundaries and learn how to say no. Yeah. And there's a value exchange. I mean, when we are generous and abundant with what we offer in our business, in terms of our expertise, we can feel confident also charging our worth, right? Because we know that we're in alignment and that what we're giving out and the opportunities and the abundance that comes from what we give out of abundance and not necessarily in a transactional way like i'm going to give you this help and i'm going to expect you to pay me or i'm going to expect you to bring me something it's simply what occurs naturally but it's not always linear and it's always immediate right so i like to describe it as like this universal abundance bucket yeah. right so when i started my business i believed in this principle of abundance but at the same time it's active in terms of how you manifest the opportunities that come your way out of that right so when you're in service and you're giving the universe is taking note your abundance creates opportunities for other Yep. And in that, there is a pay it forward in the universe energetically that happens, but it may not be immediate or it may not be in direct relation to that. So you'll do this and then seemingly out of nowhere, the universe will begin to sort of rain opportunities on you and you're like, this feels incredible. And suddenly I have all these opportunities, but there really is a design behind it the universe has a plan around that yes. but you also have to be open to receiving those opportunities and taking opportunities as they come your way and allowing yourself to be valued to be seen to be centered in business right and that takes me to this core value that i have which is that business is an incredible place for social impact, right? Like as business leaders, we have the power to change people's lives, mm -hmm. change their businesses and change society and change the world for the better through how we do business, what we choose to do business around, who we do business with. And yeah. I'm not gonna candy coat or beat around the bush that my business was built on the principles that entrepreneurship is a vehicle for social, racial, and economic justice when business is inclusive and equitable and when we place our attention and our focus on who benefits from business, who do we do business with and why, who do we hold up as a um, expert, an influencer, a mentor, who do we look to? And, and, and that was another reason that drew me to you is that you are so unapologetically, ethnically who you are, but you're also confident in the value that you bring. And, and there are in the Bay Area, a good number of people of color in leadership in business, but as a whole, the entrepreneurial space, the space of leadership and consulting and business development is historically white and privileged, right? As is yeah. all spaces of privilege, right? All spaces of economic wealth and privilege are historically white. And that's something that I do not try to work around mm -hmm. or kind of um, keep in the, in, the, in the background of my business. Like from the very beginning of my business, it came out of my my own awareness that entrepreneurship is a force for social change, that 
people from groups that are historically marginalized or underrepresented or oppressed can leverage entrepreneurship as a vehicle to completely change their life circumstances, yeah, that yeah. they have equal possibility and potential as humans, yes. but they don't always have equal access and equal opportunity. And this is where people get confused. Yes. In, in looking at what it means to be oppressed or disempowered. It doesn't mean that those individuals, you or I or Tomoko who's watching or my friend Laurent Barton who's a black anti-racism expert, it doesn't mean that as humans we are lesser than or have any less capacity to serve, to lead, yeah. to experience success. It means that structurally in society, there are spaces and institutions and opportunities that are not historically available to or accessible to those groups, or that those institutions and groups may actually exclude yes. um, individuals from certain groups. And so for me, it's about how do we shift the paradigm and disrupt how entrepreneurship and particularly online business, where we can in some ways level the playing field of access a bit more, how do we ensure that that space doesn't replicate or perpetuate the same systems of oppression and marginalization that exist in other sectors. And it's where I feel that there is a lever and we can disrupt. Right. So how, like, I'm curious, like, uh, where did you get this confidence in yourself to not only believe that you can kick some butt, take no prisoners, but, but now also be able to train other entrepreneurs, others out there in what you're doing. Because there's one thing to be to believe in yourself, and there's, there's the other is to train other people to believe in themselves. And I, yeah. feel, you know, you, I feel like you've gone through this journey uh, and you're at this point again where now you're, you're training other people. So, I mean, like, tell us, how, how did – What's what's been this process of change transformation for you? Yeah, I think that some of it is nature and nurture, right? So I think I was born a sort of naturally outgoing person. I have an extroverted personality, but I was born into a family where it was encouraged to express yourself, to speak up, to share your beliefs. And my father in particular, who was Italian, um, really from a young age kind of gifted me with this belief system. And I do believe that our parents are the ones that initially form the way that we view the world. Yeah. My father would say things to me like, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't do the same things a man can. Um, the way you feel in your heart and your mind and your intelligence and your beliefs matter more than how you look or how much money you have. And um, go after what you want and don't worry about what other people think. Like really go for Like I remember when I was in my teens and I wanted to move to Guatemala in the middle of college and take off time. And my mother was really freaked out. And my father was like, we have to let her go. She has to go and experience the world. And she has to learn for herself by making mistakes and overcoming those mistakes. And my dad really gave me this mindset of like, it's okay to be afraid, but move through the fear and test yes. it and see what actually happens. Don't. Yes. So he was kind of like my first mindset coach, right? But then later on in life, as I continued that journey of taking risks and then testing the universe to say, 
what will happen if I actually go and do that thing? What would happen if I picked up and moved to Peru? What would happen if I left the United States and moved to Spain for a year? And I would continually do these things and stay in the flow of possibility. And now does that mean that shit doesn't happen? No. <laughs> Tons of shit happened. I almost died in the mountains of Guatemala and I got Giardia and I was in situations where I could have been kidnapped by terrorists. And I had this inherent belief and trust, which we all need to develop, which is that as human beings, we are built for resilience and survival and we are capable of so much more than we believe right it's really about what we perceive as what's possible is what makes our reality and when you test it and you get the feedback from the universe and you get a positive experience of like ah i pushed myself and something exciting happened what happens right. is we push ourselves and then sometimes we get a negative experience and then we right. attach to the negative experience right so it's been a journey of releasing the attachment and trusting that every new opportunity, every new leap was going to provide me a completely unknown outcome and that you cannot project failure, but you can project success if you continue to believe and trust that every failure teaches you and you learn and you become more resilient and more capable of navigating the next failure. And then the pinnacle of that for me was living in a developing country. And mm -hmm. some of my greatest teachers were indigenous farming communities, um, agricultural leaders, local grassroots organizers in Guatemala and Peru, people that literally had nothing. Like the land that they lived on was almost fallow, not enough financial resources. Yep. And they were able to make and create food, artisanal things build organize around land and the just the level of determination and grit and and commitment to to survival had me have this awakening of like this is going to be a little bit of a Brigitte no bullshit moment and I'm and if it's not palatable forgive me but I'm not here to be palatable or make you feel safe okay. or comfortable as Americans we are coddled spoiled people with lack of vision and lack of perspective around the lived experience of other human beings that don't live in this bubble that we call the United States of America. Yes. We are spoiled and we are soft and we complain and we don't mm -hmm. understand true adversity often, yeah. right? Like the yeah. average American person of middle-class means. And when I pulled myself out of this bubble and put myself right next to people with so little i literally was sleeping in a barn with a pig in a rural community no electricity no safe running water yes. and looking around me and going this is how most of the rest of the world lives yes and it gave yes. me so much perspective and gratitude to realize that i had so much possibility so much opportunity and so many potential things i could do with my life that yeah. it really just flipped a switch in my mind and there was no going back from that right so spending and, and this wasn't just like a two-week hiking trip this was like i lived for six months in guatemala i lived for a year and a half in peru and if you haven't lived abroad or your kids haven't i say nope. It, do it because it is the number one thing that I've done in my life that has given me the confidence to trust yes. that forever, however difficult things are, 
They're difficult. I do not want to spiritually bypass or diminish how difficult things are for many people right now with this pandemic, with historic oppression and racism being painfully constantly in front of our eyes. It's real and it's hard. And we are equipped to move through this and to overcome and to grow and to find meaning and value and success amidst the schmutz. Yes. Oh my God. Bridget. Oh my God. You know what? We're going to have to go back and we're going to have to like edit this portion because I think this is like your keynote talk now for, you know, the next 30 years. Okay. Um, but this is awesome. I mean, seriously, we got some feedback here. My friend, uh, Marta Nino, she's like, preach, uh, yes. Uh, Angelica Klein. Hi, Marta. Such a beautiful <laughs> woman. She's such an inspiring woman. This woman did a TEDx, um, <laughs> and she's incredible. Hi, Angelica. I'm so glad to get to know you better. Yes. And then, uh, we have, uh, I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, but Gressy, powerful message. I agree uh, that the belief system are indeed so important. And sometimes we need to train it to believe in our resilience a little bit more. Um, Bridget, you know, so many things that you just said right now, I agree with you 100%. And one in particular that comes to mind that you're talking about is, you know, your experience of living abroad and experiencing how, not just how other people live, but their 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 value system you know and the way they love and appreciate life because i was i was just in mexico in mid-february visiting family and and so forth uh, out there and uh, you know by by u.s standards they're living in you know a small house and this and that and so forth but the thing that today as um uh, as, as an adult and, and being a, a, a parent a father myself that i also appreciate is how happy people are regardless of what they have or don't have and 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 i I just got off before doing this linkedin live i did a uh uh, professional branding uh uh, webinar for fortune 500 company one of the things that i shared with with them is like about being relatable and this is what you're talking about where it's like listen if you can't travel because right now obviously shelter in place we can't really travel but can you like at least go to the other uh, safeway on the other side of el camino okay or one-on-one and like now with different people because even something like that it just it's it makes you appreciate it makes you more relatable yeah and you can connect with diverse people i mean the power of the online space is something that is so transformational and i was resistant i i can't pretend i mean now i'm I have a, a following on social media and I leverage Facebook and LinkedIn for my business and for yes. my social connections. But two and a half years ago, I was still fairly resistant to it and thought, oh, this is superficial or everyone's just trying to get something or trying to sell something. And it's so self-promotional. It's ugh, it's not me because I really loved personal connection through in-person networking events. I did a lot of speaking events in the early part of my business like you. I love just getting up in front of a room and opening my heart and sharing with people in a very real way and even pulling from my audience and getting them to keep feeding me and sharing their thoughts. And I thought, how can I do this online to continue to grow my business and my message in a way that feels aligned for me. And I grappled with it and I had a whole narrative. Again, this is the belief. It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be the same. And this is where we get caught up in stories that we have about something versus what is the possibility of how it can actually be. And 
I reached a place where I said, you know what, Bridgette, you're going to have to let go of this bullshit narrative and you're going to have to just go all in and embrace social media because you want to be more um, international. You want to reach people in different places. You yourself, I want to travel and live abroad again. I want to move back to Spain and run my business from Europe in the next year. I'm going to embrace social media. And I began to understand how exciting social media can be as a vehicle to serve people that you might not ever normally meet or connect with and be abundant and give and allow people to receive your wisdom, your teaching, your coaching, your leadership, your storytelling, your inspiration. And it's been life-changing for me. Like I've had people reach out to me that are in the Philippines, that are in South Africa, that are in um, parts of Latin America that say to me, I can't afford to hire you as a coach, but following you on Facebook, I have learned so much from you about business that I'm applying and it's helping me grow my business. This is the service before sales. This is the abundance mindset. Do those people have the capacity to send me a check? No, maybe send me a client. Maybe, I don't know. They they reshare my content. Right. They tell me that they're winning, that they're learning, that they're applying these concepts. And that is the abundance bucket. I know that that is going to get paid forward in the universe in terms of other people that receive my guidance that do have the means to step up and say, I can afford a coach or I'm looking for a leadership expert to come in and speak. And so I really began to embrace social media as a way to scale my time and allow more people to receive my coaching and my business advice in a way that was easy and I could make it fun if I let go of perfectionism. Yeah, <laughs> which we got to talk about that because the thing that holds us back from serving more people and reaching and impacting more people is often a self-criticism or a judgment. And I'm here to tell you, yeah, because I'm gonna bring it back to the deeper stuff. It has to do with whiteness patriarchy and perceptions and stories about what is good enough, professional enough, expert enough. Right. Right. And we, we judge and we place like criteria to ourselves of like, I'm not good enough yet. I don't look good enough to do this. I don't like the way I sound. I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. And we have to do the work to think about where do those narratives and where do those judgments come from and what and yep. who are we measuring ourselves against, right? So perfect example, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs for whom English is not their first language. Spanish, they speak Hindi, they speak another language in in a dialect that causes their English for them to not be good enough, even though their English is great, everyone can understand them, it's not a problem it's a self-perception right or they don't look like a classical business coach or consultant and so therefore they don't do videos they don't talk about themselves they don't share enough because they think that their version of what they look like and sound like and their lived experience is not equal to or as important as someone else's and this is the stuff that i'm passionate about disrupting because 
what we need and what we learn from and what is going to enrich and shape our society into the kind that it needs to be to be inclusive and beneficial for all is we need diverse voices. We need to be listening to, connecting with, and learning from people who do not look like us, who do not sound like us, who have a different lived experience than our own yeah. and that can bring a different perspective to the way that we're looking at the world or at business or at personal development. And that's why I'm personally on a mission to, yes, I work with white leaders and allies and incredible human beings that care. And I have a particular commitment to working with black indigenous people of color who are thought leaders to ensure that they are centered and spotlighted and given equal attention in the same ways that we highlight and spotlight and give attention to others because it's so important that we have role models that don't look like us. Agree with you. And and one of the things that I love about you, uh, is is that, as you were saying, how you, at first it was, you know, it, it was uncomfortable for you to embrace, like for example, social media to tell your story, et cetera, and so forth. And one of the things, I, and I appreciate that about you that you have embraced it because one of the things that I that I see is that um, our generation and you know forty and older I'm referring to is um, we're we're traditionally not that the, we didn't grow up with the internet et cetera and so forth and so as a minority when those of us that do share our story usually is the traditional way where we're on a panel we're asked to invited to go to an event and we speak at that event, but guess what? Right now there's no events happening, okay? Everything's virtual. And so what I'm actually seeing is a huge gap, a huge void of minority professionals, again, 40 and older, that have the courage to use social media, this platform to continue to share their views and opinions. And I'm like constantly like, come on guys, like do it. And so I love the fact that uh, that you are doing it uh, this way because your message gets amplified many, many, much more. Uh, to yeah. do than, Thank uh, you um, for that. By the way, we have a question here, actually um, uh, our friend Tomoko, she says, what do you think makes your business successful? There are many business coaches. What are you doing that is different? Thank you for that question. That is such a great question. So the business coaching industry is rife with bullshit. (laughs) And there are a lot of people that are online business coaches that may have experienced success. They did a thing and it worked for them. And they sell to a large number of people on the premise that their particular trick or way of doing business is going to get other people to six figures or multiple six figures. I am very much in the business of disrupting the bullshit in the business coaching industry, right? So I have over 25 years of expertise in startups and launching, accelerating, and scaling all kinds of businesses from the most grassroots, tiny initiatives in the developing world to large SaaS software companies in Brazil that are building teams and scaling their operations. So, you know, I have a range of experience with different sizes of businesses, with different value systems, different services, and different products. And so I'm coming at it through the lens of real business frameworks like lean startup, 
Yeah. What does it mean to have a beta version of an offer and an MVP? And then how do you move through discovery through the phases of launch? So if you're in the early stages of business, that's something I used to do. And now I focus on businesses that have already launched that are looking to what's called accelerate their growth. They have a viable service, right? Or product, info product. And they're looking to attract more clients and sell more. And so my particular approach is how do you scale your reach? How yeah. do you scale the way you attract clients? And how do you scale your sales by yeah. using one-to-many formats? So I'm very niched now, but I come from like a very deep, deep, profound foundation in business. And I used to teach business and entrepreneurial leadership and startup and intercultural business communication at UC Berkeley for nine years. <laughs> designed, I designed the international business certificate programs. Awesome. And so my job was to take what was very dated old curriculum that was very much based on old textbooks and old models. And I would go out and find real Silicon Valley startup accelerator business leaders, real entrepreneurs, VCs, marketing strategists, social media experts, you name it. And I would bring the very best in business leaders that I could find and coach and train them to teach. They were not teachers. They were not instructors. I would find real business leaders. And then I would look for partnerships in Silicon Valley and find actual real business initiatives that I could bring my students into as project leaders so they can get hands-on experience with what does it take to scale a business. And I'm really clear about there are two reasons that businesses fail. I don't care what you're looking at or how you skin the cat. There's two major problems that entrepreneurs have, and I'm going to break them down for you right now. The first problem and the biggest problem that everyone has is product user fit, meaning that the problem that you solve and the way that you are framing the problem is not a close enough match to the actual problem that someone has that needs to be solved. Yep. And you need to do a better job. And so I do a lot of helping people with their offer and the, the message and the positioning of their offer to make it explicit how and what problem they solve and how they solve it in a way that is unique to them through the lens of their core values and lived experience, because there are many people in the world that are coaches, right? So yes. when you're asking me, how is it different how I coach people? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fierce, loving warrior coach. You don't come to me if you want a coach that's going to like coddle you and baby <laughs> you and hold your hand and take baby steps, right? I am like, no bullshit. You come to me when you're like, I've been in business for a while. I'm not making enough. It's my time. I know I'm a badass. I know I'm worth more. I know I should be serving more people. Yep. Yep. And I know that I need to grow my impact and my reach. I want to change more people's lives and businesses. Yeah. I'm the coach you come to when you want someone to lovingly, fiercely hold you accountable to your greatness. Because I don't work with people that are on the fence. Like if you come right. to me, you're signing up for like, I know you're a badass. And I'm not going to let you escape from your greatness. If you're going to tell yeah. me that you want something, I'm going to help you figure out what is keeping you from getting it. And then what needs to shift? Is it mindset, strategy, or leadership? And the, the leadership piece is critical. So you, assuming you've got the mindset, you've bought in on yourself, you've done the work to shift the stories, yeah. to unlearn the bullshit, to own your value. Yeah. 
assuming you have a solid strategy and you work with a business advisor that actually understands the stage of your business and what you should be focusing on and where you should be spending time and money, because that's yeah. critical. The third thing is elevating your leadership to become a CEO and letting go of doing all the things. You do not grow and you do not scale a business unless you understand how to do ditch and delegate, which is the coaching exercise I give every single VIP client. You yeah. got to get clear on your zone of genius. What is it that only you can deliver that within that better be public speaking, visibility and sharing your message and your story because no one can do that like you. Right. Within that better be service, serving people, delivering the, the service of the product and getting exceptional results. And for most companies, the founder is usually the best person at sales, but if you have a sales team, then you really need to understand how the selling methodology gets passed on to yeah. your team. Everything outside of those buckets from a founder perspective, if it's not strategic, if it's not visibility, if it's not business development, you need to have someone else doing it. And I get the constant solopreneur sob story. I'm not making enough to hire someone. You're not making enough because you're not spending your time on those three high impact buckets of sale, service, and speaking. And if you delegate to someone that charges 35 an hour to do the back end of your business and set up your landing pages and your funnels and your CRM and all your doodickies that you're not even that good at, let's be real, because if you're a great speaker and a great coach, you probably are not loving that stuff all the time. You need a team and you gotta delegate the stuff that is not at that highest level of impact and you gotta focus your time on high impact activities. So the second reason that entrepreneurs fail to scale or fail to take their business to the next level is the lack of the systems, people and processes to support growth. They're underspending and they are under supported to get to the next level. So those are the two biggest business challenges, right? Yep. Making sure you have a service or product offer that is a perfect fit for your niche, for yep. your people, their values, their problems, their needs. And you have to know your niche like your best friend. Right, right. And then the second problem is you don't have the people, the processes or the systems to support you and you're overstretched and you're depleted and you cannot rise and and embody that deepest service and delivery of your message and be available to the to the online community in the way that you need to be when you're stuck behind your computer and you're trying to figure out how to do a landing page link or post something and you're having trouble. Like if you're struggling with the back end of your business or you don't have time for other stuff, you gotta get it off your plate. And it's scary. And I'm gonna tell you really quick, a personal story around how I overcame the fear of spending in my business. So long story short, my my whole business rose up out of a personal life crisis where my mom had a stroke. I was pregnant with my baby. I had my daughter, life was incredibly challenging. I was an only, I'm an only child, I had to care for my mom. I went back to my quote, cushy, safe job at UC Berkeley and I got laid off within months of returning back after maternity leave and having a disabled parent to take care of. And at that time I said, you know what? The universe has dealt me the trifecta. 
it's always in threes, right? So it's like my mom had a stroke, my husband's father died of cancer in my 39th week of pregnancy, and then I got laid off from my job. And a few other things got dropped in for variety. And I remember saying to myself, this is that moment. This is the crucible. This is the make or break moment, Bridgette. You're either going to fall apart and fall into a bottle of vodka and call it in, and it's the end of the journey, and your life is over, and you're going to have to be taking care of your mom, and you're going to create all the stories that the average Latina woman in my family, which would which would be not out of the norm. Yep. It's my job to take care of everyone. I can't have a life. I can't do what I want. And that would have been it. And I remember having this like come to God moment where I said to the universe, that's it. That's it. You want to give me this? Watch <laughs> out. I am ready for something. I don't know what it is, but I'm done. This format of my life is not working. This job wasn't that great anyway. Thank you, UC Berkeley. I learned a lot, but there's a lot of bullshit there. And I was ready. And so I launched my business and it was a hot shit show, right? In the first year of business, I was all over the place. I was doing it here and there. I was trying to take care of my mom, trying to take care of my toddler. And the matrix was breaking. All the cracks were showing. And I was like, I got this. I'm holding it down. I'm fine. <laughs> and, you know, walking around like the average woman, mom, entrepreneur, like, no, I know it's a little crazy. No, it was not okay. It was nuts and it wasn't working. And I hit a breaking point after three years. And I realized that I was perpetuating the same narrative and lifestyle of lack and scarcity. Yeah. And not investing in myself and my dreams that I had learned from mm-hmm. my family. Yep. And that I was going to be the generation to disrupt it. And I remember the day that I told the universe and it was very emotional. And my mom was living in the cottage I built with the caregivers and it was chaos. And I went to my mom and I said, I love you. And I've tried to take care of you at home. She was 200 pounds, massively paralyzed. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I love you, but I'm going to look for the best home I can find. I'm going to pay for the best place I can get. I'm going to pay for private therapists and is it okay? And she looked at me and she said, Ija, I can't believe you did it this long. I've been waiting for you to tell me when it's enough. It's too much. And so I put my mom in a care home. It cost $5,000 a month. And my business was making $800 a month. And my husband was like, you're crazy. Your mom's income is less than $2,000. Where are we going to close the gap of this $2,500 a month? for your mom's care. And I said, I got this. I said, if my mom is well cared for and I can breathe and I am resourced. And I said, also, by the way, we need a cleaning lady too, (laughs) because I'm not folding clothes anymore or doing dishes. This is ridiculous. Those two things got placed in. I started focusing on my business and within months, my business revenue was 2000, then 3000. Then I hired my first VA, Melanie, VA, helped me get my shit together. My business grew to 4,000, 5,000. Then Melanie became my operations manager and I learned to do less and delegate and ditch more. And Melanie took over running the business and I could speak and serve and sell. And then my business grew to 10K. Yep. And then I hired a content manager to organize and place all my stuff on content. And then my business revenue started going to 15K and then 20K. And then the pandemic hit. And I always, again, I'm no bullshit. I like to be honest. I teeter and totter. I'm back down to the 8 to 10K sometimes, back up to 15K. This is a normal cycle. 
And as an entrepreneur, again, just like in life, it's about don't panic and don't jump ship. Yep. It gets hard. Yes. You hit a wall. Things yes. change. It doesn't mean you toss it all and do a massive pivot and reinvent the wheel. Yes, you do micro pivots. Yes, you adjust. I'm going to give you another gem of business coaching wisdom. Don't try to figure out what the market needs. If there's a shift in the environment, the pandemic, the racial, social, economic justice climate, talk to your people. Ask them what's changed. Yes. What do they need? And then respond back to that with your product service. The number one thing that I've learned in this journey of entrepreneurship and being in service, stop trying to figure everything out on your own. You're mm -hmm. not a magician. I'm not a genius. I'm not a guru. The reason I'm good at what I do is I do massive amounts of what's called customer discovery, and I never stop doing it. Yes. Customer discovery is part of business development. It's being curious. Yep. Asking people questions about where they're struggling, what's not working, what have they tried, yep. what's changing for them, how is it affecting them in the business. Yes. The more you listen to your users, your customers, and your clients, and the more you integrate their own words and their own wisdom into what informs what you're putting out in your business, it's game-changing. Yes. And if you're doing that during this time, you're going to hear where people are overwhelmed and overstretched and the problems in business and life that they had prior to this pandemic and this climate are compounded. Yes. And so you need to understand how to not only solve the same problems you were solving before, but really understand how to solve them through the lens of what's pressing down on people during this time, which is overwhelm, stress, collective grief, challenges with their work-life balance, managing teams remotely, being on Zoom all day, right? So for your business to be relevant and viable and important during this time, A, you need to think about and understand your business's core values mm -hmm. around racial, social, and economic justice and what you stand for, who you do business with and why, and who your business benefits. That's yeah. the one thing I'm never going to leave off the table. And then the second thing is – how is your business navigating this pandemic and the stress and the pressure it's putting on families, relationships, and teams? Yeah. And how can your offering really take that into consideration and provide the additional support guidance that people need to get through those additional challenges? So that's a lot of business yeah, in my, in one, one thing. But awesome. As you can see, I mean, like, People are like career talk to listen to over and over and over again to erase the BS in our heads. Folks, you see what I mean about Bridget, why I mentioned earlier that she is a, a badass that she can go now because here's the thing. Many of us throw that word around so easy like it's a Frisbee. Many of us wear a T-shirt that says Chingon or Chingona. And you know what? That's fine, okay, because it all starts somewhere. It's got to start somewhere, right? But the thing that I love about Bridget, it's not – just that she says it or that I say it, but it's really she embodies that. And, you know, we can go on and on for, for a long time. And the thing, too, is she has the experience. She's been through a lot of challenges. She's been through a lot of crap, okay? And as I oftentimes say, you know, we all go through crap, but crap is also fertilizer. And another thing that I love about uh, Pajetti, she's been able to turn the crap in her life into fertilizer to fertilize her dreams to continue to grow her business, 
her family, et cetera, and so forth. But Bridget, we are a little bit over our time, but that's okay because I know people love everything that you have said. You have dropped, um, oh my gosh, a like truckful of, of nuggets of, uh, of wisdom here for people. I want to thank you for being uh, uh, here on the Career Talk with OG. Um, last question for you. What book are you currently reading right now? Um, I'm listening. I'm starting going to start listening to Michelle Obama's Becoming and a book that I just am about to finish on Audible that is life changing is The Soul of Money. And it talks about global economic injustice and poverty and how wealth and charity perpetuate poverty and victimization and oppression of communities that don't have enough mm. and that entrepreneurship and how we use money can be a force for social change it's amazing um it's written by lynn twist who's a conscious capitalism member i'm on the board of conscious capitalism i want to give a shout out to this organization the bay area chapter of conscious capitalism is shifting the narrative around what conscious business means and for us if you're not looking at business through the lens of equity diversity inclusion and racial and restorative justice it's not conscious business and that's what i stand for so i want to say that to people and if you need help or a resource for how to grow your business with integrity online uh, check me out on my LinkedIn yes, profile. I'll drop a link to my free course there. I have a number you can text me for business support and advice at any time. And please just reach out to me and share your story. Tell me about where you are in your journey. How can I help you? Can I connect you with someone? Can I get you an interview on my own podcast? How can Oscar and I support you to become more visible and get your message out in the world because that's what we're all about other people's right. success is my purpose right. and it's what lights me on fire so if this was helpful to you please tell me because that's what i live for you know what you guys connect with her on linkedin okay for sure um appreciate it so Bridget, you're awesome fabulous love your story everything that you are doing to help others and um thank you for your friendship Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspedaconsulting.com.